Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I am your host, John Pachuto, and I'm very excited to have my now 30-minute friend, Zach Jurgensen, on the line. Zach, how are you? Hello there. Uh, I am doing fantastic. We've already gotten to know each other very well. Uh, yeah, we ran into some technical difficulties. It's all good. Uh, yeah, I'm the, the, uh, the game. What's that? <laughs> I said it's the name of the game, but uh, how about you introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, so I am the uh, host of the DIY Wealth Podcast. Um, essentially, I don't come from a uh, point of narcissism or, or, or an ego stroke to say this, but I went from a fair amount of debt in my 20s to amassing a net worth of 31 or amassing a net worth of a million by the age of 31. Um, all of it was done through self-education. And essentially, I have enough passive money coming in um, for the rest of my life where I can basically kind of go and do whatever I want, uh, whatever that is for me. So my message is all about helping people identify what they want to do in their life and being able to, I call it unplug versus retirement because we think of retirement at the tail end of our lives. And it's a newer concept for our species that we really don't know a lot about. Um, but literally in the course of a decade, a decade and a half, two decades, you can really design a life that you want to live where you don't have to worry about money coming in anymore and you can focus on your real passions. Oh, I love that. I would love to get kind of an idea of the sort of journey from, you know, you mentioned that you were in debt and then kind of the process of, you know, being in the Marines, getting your first job out of college and kind of the path to this financial freedom that you've been able to find yourself in. Yeah, sure. So, um, again, uh, even if it's not financially related, the things I talk about, if it's going to help someone heal or a process of getting over a hurdle, they've been struggling, reach out to me. I'm still more than willing to help. Um, went, went through a quite a bit of a fragmented familial situation growing up. Um, religion was used to, uh, brainwash essentially, um, and reinforce we should not like or hate our father, uh, because he did end up, uh, coming out homosexual and that's not agreed in, in, in religion. And so that was used as a weapon and, you know, the kids were weaponized against him, um, got into a physical violence situation, lots of mental abuse, physical abuse happened, had dragged in and out of court testifying against. So the point I'm making with this before I get into everything else too, is you can have the odds stacked against you. You can have an unfortunate hand laid to you in life. That doesn't mean it defines you and you can't move forward in life and be a better person and grow and learn and really just become a powerful story and inspiration for other people while also being a kind person. Um, to, to, the, to everything you, you mentioned prior, yep, grades weren't that great. Very frustrated, angry kid growing up, as you can understand why. Um, just wasn't pouring that energy into the right outlets. Ended up joining the Marines because I had just shitty GPA and I knew a university wasn't going to take me. Um, and then, yeah, I still didn't really apply myself growing up until 21 when we were out in Afghanistan, we ended up losing an individual and a bomb dog, um, really just kind of like rattled my cage. And I was like, holy shit, like I'm not impossible. Like violence can happen to me. A random accident can happen to me. You can step into your car and you could be get squished by a semi today, you know, like, but that never really registered until I knew someone so young, so close to me that was just poof, like that life's gone forever. Um, so yeah, just started applying myself at the last end of the year of my Marine Corps career for four years of active duty. Cause I was like, I definitely don't want to do this shit anymore. 
Um, so I just started picking up books. I picked up, you know, um, journalism books, science books, uh, math books, finance books. And, you know, for whatever reason, I landed on this book, the little book on big dividends. You can take a read of it. It's super easy. It's like 97 pages long. It's the most simple book to read. And I was just like, damn, like this money's making you more money. Like this is cool. And so it was 2011 stock market had completely bottomed out. Like you could have thrown a dart at a, you could have thrown a dart at a board uh, and put stock tickers and you would have made money. Like, but I didn't know that. I didn't know what I didn't know. So I invested in 10 shares of bank of America. I was like, it's a bank. It's around. I see it everywhere. So why not fucking invest in it? Like zero due diligence was done, but I was just like, fuck it. Let's take her for a spin. So I invest in these, you know, and I buy like 10 shares. I think it was like $9 and 64 cents, like not even a lot of money. But, you know, the market's going up and down all day. And, like, I'm just like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm up. And then, like, it would go down. And I'm like, fuck, why am I doing this? This is stupid. I just lost money, like, all day, all day. Just, like, and that's, and I don't do that anymore. But, like, it was my first time, you know. Anyway, the market closes. And I remember, I will never forget the, the fucking number. It was $4.14. I had $4.14 more than I had earlier today. And in my mind, this shit just clicked. I was like, holy shit, like these imaginary green things, they can make you money. They can make you yeah. make more money and you don't even have to work. Like I can get high all day tomorrow or I can actually go be productive and do something more constructive or I can choose to do something in between. I can be successful. I can fail. It doesn't matter anymore because I have these these little green things making me more money. So I'm, I'm A-okay. And so that literally just, launched me into where you see me today in this entire journey I've been on. There's a double-edged sword we can get into later on, um, how I went about it, but now, you know, that's pretty cool. Um, I, I love that. Like your very first win was so ingrained into your mind, even though it was like such a small sum. I think that's just so funny. Um, talk to me a little bit about like some of the hurdles that you've kind of encountered along the way. Cause you did mention that you had like a, a, a deposition that you were dealing with. Um, I would imagine in your early twenties. So kind of talk to me about the traps that you fell into and kind of like what you did to like remove yourself from that, um, kind of strain. Yeah. So I don't think it was any, there wasn't, there wasn't any one time where I can tell you like, yeah, I just dove into the deep end. Like I just like, you know, temperature shock. You know, like it was, you know, I started right at the shallow end and I slowly just started walking towards the deep end. And then I started swimming and then I was all the way in the deep end swimming. Like it was a gradual knowledge accumulation. It wasn't like, instantly I was anointed with all this knowledge by God almighty, like, which I, again, I don't believe in God. It's just a term. Don't take it too literal. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I had a ton of debt, like, and you know, 10,000, $15,000 in credit card debt at 22% interest. Like that's a hard hole to dig out of, especially when you're in the military and you're making anywhere from 500 to like $1,200 biweekly and like 500 for lower ranks. And then I was a corporal. I don't know what I got. It was still shit money. Um, but that was really hard. And so I struggled for about four years paying off that debt while getting out of the military, trying to find some new sources of income and paying all of that off. So, um, it wasn't, you know, I, there, there's podcasts where, you know, you, everyone first step pay off debt immediately. That's everything you should do. I had half of my foot paying off debt and the other half was putting money into, you know, retirement accounts and saving because, 
if you can put a dollar in today and you know it's going to turn into $20 10 years from now, why wouldn't you want to start doing that sooner rather than later? So I really, it was a split for me. I really focused on maxing out a 401k. And even if I couldn't max it out, get it where I could, but also goal setting on getting out of this debt position, which allows and opens up more opportunities for me because I don't have these obligations to say yes, or to say, I don't have the obligations that are tying me down you. Yeah. because I have to pay a bill. I have more obligations. Therefore, I can't say yes to as many things. And there could be a good opportunities on the other side, but I know I got to pay X, Y, Z. So I'm stuck and chained here. Mm -hmm. What were you doing work-wise when you got out of the, the Marines? Yeah. So I got out, uh, moved to Arizona uh, on a whim, got a dog along the way too. Um, and, you know, I was doing personal training and I was, you got to remember I'm 22 at the time. So like I'm looking at freshmen that are 18 and I'm 22 year old freshman. Um, had so much fun my freshman year, sophomore year. I was just like, all right, time to like fucking try and figure shit out. Figure um, it out. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, uh, <clears throat> so I, I went and uh, I started doing personal training uh, because I was doing fitness competitions while I was in college. And one of the guys, Jason, old timer, old timer, real estate guy. He just kept bugging me. He was like, you know, you should really, you're good at selling these fitness packages. You ain't making jack shit. You can really make some good money there. And you know, selling real estate, you'd be good at it. Kept putting it off, kept putting it off, kept putting it off. Finally, I was just like, all right, fuck it. I'll go get my real estate license. My first year, uh, like I mentioned before, we, even with the Marine Corps, like I'm not flying around in money. Like I want people to know that too. I've, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Like I have fought tooth and nail and built everything that I have today. So, you know, if you're someone that feels you like you're in a disadvantaged position, it's okay. I was too. I will help you get there. Um, but yeah, the Marine Corps didn't pay shit. And then I worked in the real estate space. I think I made 18 grand my first year, um, give or take. And that's what it's not working five hour weeks. We're working like 40 hour weeks, like doing open houses every weekend, like lead generating, like, but I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know how to close. I didn't know how to convert. How do I get someone's email? How do I stay in contact with them? How do I get in their phone? Like these are all things you need to know as a sales agent, but I didn't know what I didn't know. So fast forward by the time I get to senior year in college, I've pretty much already created my own job. Um, and I was just like, okay, there's like no real need for me to go find a job because I'm already, you know, doing well in this. And so I went from 18,000 my first year to 40,000 my second year. And then by senior year, um, or no, 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 that was senior year. 40,000 was senior year. So the year after was 72,000. But again, at the time, like I had never seen so much money in my entire life, like $40,000. Like I thought I was the richest man in Babylon and I was just fucking swimming in it. Like you remember Scrooge McDuck, that cartoon where he dives into his fucking <laughs> vault of gold coins. Of like, <laughs> that's how I fucking felt because I had never seen so much money in my entire life. And so that 40 went to 72 and 72 went to 120. And so, you know, I ended up getting out of real estate for other reasons, deeper reasons, which we can get into, but that's essentially what I, uh, how college played out. Mm -hmm. And then, all right, so you're 25, 26 years old. You're making a, a fairly good living, 120 plus K a year is well above the median, you know, household income for right. a, a single individual in the U.S. 
where, what, where it's going through your mind when you're like, all right, I want to get out of real estate. This is not doing it for me. I want to do X, Y, Z. Like what's like where you're kind of like at this inflection point of I can go this way and make a very stable life and, and make good money and, you know, Scrooge McDuckett and what, what's kind of like going through your mind at that point. Yeah. So leading up to the bigger answer to that question, um, you know, successful real estate, you know, had a transaction coordinator, had a junior agent, like had my own team, like I was doing good, but I was just coming into work and I was just irritated all the time. And like, I just wasn't feeling fulfilled. And I was just like, what is going on? And I, and again, I don't know a hundred percent, but I've spent more time trying to figure out what these things are. I think because I have such a different perspective on the world that I finally got fed up. And so, for example, you, me, anyone listening on this podcast, we're not going to worry about how to, where to find, even a homeless person in America will have access to fresh water within five minutes. A homeless person. We do not need to, to go hike three hours to go get a jug of water and then three hours back and we burned all those calories in your entire day to like, and maybe I'm painting a little bit of an extreme scenario, but that exists in the world in 2021 somewhere in a different country. And like, I got exposure to that in Afghanistan where like women don't have rights, you know, you know, kids get beat and like, that's normal. Like, so because I had that, I started asking myself better questions. And I truly believe you can only start asking yourself better questions in life when you don't have to worry about basic survival needs. So because I was doing good with real estate, I knew I didn't have to worry about the electric bill. I knew I didn't have to worry about the utility bill. I knew I didn't have to worry about my mortgage payment. I knew I, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew I, there was enough money coming in and I had set enough aside an emergency fund where like that wasn't a crying emergency for me anymore. And so it just got to a point where I'm helping these, you know, trophy wives in Scottsdale, listen to them bitch about doorknob handles. And it's like, you're creating your own problem. This isn't even in my world. This is such not a real problem. Like, and it would just get under my skin because it's just like, you're so ungrateful for just the fact yeah. that we've been born in America, just by being born in America, you hit the lottery on life. And like a lot of people oh, just sure. don't have that exposure. Um, mm -hmm. So then I was just like, well, where can I go sell something, but still change lives? I got into medical device sales. I went from making $120,000 a year to an associate medical device position, which by the way, took me nine months to get. And I spent two hours every night on LinkedIn applying for things. It didn't happen overnight. It, hard industry to get into, but I went from making 120 to 60,000, lost half of my income overnight because I started following more of what I wanted to do in my heart. Did I second guess it every day? Absolutely. But then huh. 60 turned into 120, 120 turned into uh, a higher number. And then actually my company ended up restructuring last year. I lost money. And then at that point I was just like, I'm hit, I'm getting close to my million dollar mark. And then to, you know, circle the wagons on your final big picture question, you know, my entire life ever since I got that $4 and 14 cents, it's been like money, 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 money. I need to get this number. Once I get this number, then I'll be happy. I'll be secure. I'll be content. I'll be joyful. And I got real close to that number last year. Uh, or this year. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Why am I not happy? Why am I not content? Why am I not? And, you know, it, call it picking up the right book at the right time. But I started getting into like more spiritual enlightenment, meditation, sitting in your own thoughts and things like that. And it's like, it's not about the money. It's not about the number. There will always be more objects in capitalism. There will always be a faster car. There will be a bigger house. There will be a nicer purse, nicer shoes, 
better location. Like there will always be a bigger fish and there will always be more on capitalism. You can absolutely drown yourself in that. Or you can spend some time sitting in your thoughts and understanding and realizing I can find reasonable financial freedom and I can also choose happiness. I can choose contentment. I can choose joy and I can merge these two and live a much richer and wealthier life than any type of person that's in perpetual work mode that ends up getting $200 million, you know, or $500 million. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. I I was recently having a conversation with my brother very similarly about this like kind of rat race that everyone gets caught up in. And I got caught up in it pretty heavily in my twenties because it was always like the next job, the next paycheck, excuse me. Um, you know, more money, more money, more money, because I need to have a nicer car and a better watch and a bigger house and a bigger apartment, the whole nine yards. And I'll never forget. I was probably like 25 or 24 or 25. And I got my first like huge commission check. It was like 19 grand. And yeah. I was like, holy shit, this is so much fucking money. I was like 19 fucking thousand dollars. It's got a piece of paper with my name on it. I put it in the bank and waited two and a half days for it to clear. And then I just fucking blew it and it was gone. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, bought a watch, I bought a TV, I bought a laptop. I did all this shit that I didn't need one single ounce of it. And I went back to work the day after like having cleared this $19,000 check. And I was like, man, I got to do it all over again. And I, oh. I think it took, it took, it took many years for me to realize what that feeling actually meant inside of me. Like I didn't do the self-worth uh, self-work to understand that no dollar figure in my bank account is going to make me feel a certain way. It's going to be the thing that I do on a daily basis. That's going to give me purpose and give me happiness and satisfaction. And again, it was this past year uh, in the middle of COVID, I lost my job and I had nothing to do and oh, wow. nowhere to go. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I literally packed my car, uh, packed it with a camera, a bunch of rolls of film, and I drove 6,600 miles across the country and back and kind of found my, my passion and, and my mission in life is to take pictures. And like, I'm now living my dream. And I was having a conversation earlier today with my brother and I was like, man, I made so many mistakes in my twenties and they're, they're teachable moments, right? Because you can look back on them and say, wow, that was stupid. But now I can tell other people not to do those kind of things. And just today I was like, dude, like Thursday, I am doing a photo shoot for my very first print editorial to go along with my very first written editorial. Nice. Next dude. month. Yeah. Next month I'm shooting two concerts for two bands that I'm super, super big fans of. And I'm like living my dream. And a year ago, I could never even fathom that I'd be sitting in this moment doing these things. Right. And I think what you said, it's like, we're always ingrained to have this pedestal of whatever it might be, million dollars in the bank, might be a Ferrari in your driveway, whatever the fuck it might be. But the feeling that you get from finally achieving that goal is never going to kind of match up with the journey to get to that point. And the, the conversation that I had with my brother, I was like, well, you know, what do you do when like your hopes and your dreams are starting to come true? He's like, well, you, you really just have to set the yardstick further. Like you need another first down now, right? Like I scored a touchdown, but the game's still going on. I still got 40 years left of my life. So I say to you, you know, you've had a very clear picture in your mind of having that million dollars in your bank account for the freedom that it affords you. Um, what was that feeling like when you finally hit that and that kind of like pivot point where you were like, okay, now what? 
Yeah, so um, I didn't actually hit it until I had that conversation in my own head, but I was approaching it rapidly. Um, and that's the other thing too, like people that are doing this grind to really design a life with financial. Look, could you unplug from society today? Absolutely. Does that look a little more uncomfortable than my situation? Absolutely. You're living under sure. a bridge, you're panhandling, like you can unplug from this, but there's a certain reasonable level of financial comfortability I want in order to explore and do the things I want to do. Um, for your listeners too, I've been asking everyone from all walks of life, all different people, how they grew up, what their professions are. And I'm finding a lot of people would basically say, fuck this entire system, fuck capitalism, fuck corporate America, fuck everything. I would go and do everything I want to do on my terms if I had between six and $8,000 a month passively coming in. So that's interesting. I started asking people that and I, I moved dramatically off my goal. I wanted $12,000 a month passively coming in. By the time I raise rents next month, um, or sorry, in January on some of my real estate properties, I'll have about 7.9 a month passively coming in. Doesn't matter whether my podcast is successful, whether photography is successful, I could say yes to everything. I could say no to everything. Things could succeed. Things could fail. I know I have designed a financial house where I'm safe enough. That's hmm. great. But to your point, leading up to that, I was tying this number that was going to associate certain emotions in me. And while financial security can provide higher levels of security and happiness and contentment, there is a very diminishing return past a certain level. And so oh, yeah. for me to look at, oh my God, look at this thing I've built and I'm still not happy. I'm still not content. I'm always stressed out. I'm anxious. I'm, I'm worried about work. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And that's when I started picking up, you know, Western or Eastern medicine books and meditating and really sitting in my thoughts and sitting in your thoughts is hard. Like I oh, can yeah. count twice i've actually been able to meditate for 20 minutes solely focusing on breathing in and breathing out like it is very hard to do and when you do that you somehow just start generating really creative and interesting questions to ask yourself because you're shutting down the stream of thoughts there's a constant stream of thoughts from the moment you wake up and pick up your phone and look at your Instagram and look at your emails and, oh shit, I got to take care of that today. And that's due. And, oh, so-and-so liked my shit. Should I like that person back? Should I follow him? Should I message him? And I'm just talking about your email and your Instagram. Now magnify that by your life throughout the day. Yeah. So I started in meditating right in the morning and for 20 minutes. And really when you don't, when you haven't plugged into any stream of thoughts, for the day. Don't look at your phone. Don't look at anything. Just immediately go to the 20 minute meditation session. It purifies your ability to think more creatively when you do come out of the meditation. It's worked very well for me. And because I did that before I even hit my million dollar mark, I was like, I'm unplugging from this, this system that has told us to buy more, buy bigger, buy faster and realize I can live a very wealthy life, a very content life, even with what I just have right now by pursuing things that I want to do in life. And I don't know everything I want to do in life and you probably don't even either, but having the freedom to say yes to more things that will automatically gravitate you to the things you want to continue to say yes to 
that's a freedom you just can't get until you build your financial house out well enough. Absolutely. I think that's such a uh, kind of crucial mindset because obviously you're, you're doing it from a place that you haven't been born into a wealthy family. You haven't been provided a silver spoon up your ass. Like plenty of people in this world are, are blessed and lucky enough to have, but you've worked for everything that you have. And I think it's a wonderful kind of uh, gift that you've given yourself to be able to live this kind of life where you have the ability to say yes to the things that you want to do and no to the things that you don't want to do. Um, I found that like the, the twenties of my life while wildly rewarding and chaotic, they provided me with a lot of context and, foundations for kind of what I'm doing now, right? So you go through life, you, you spend the years in high school to get into a good college, in your case, the Marines, you get the, the college degree, you get that first job. It's just like this, this merry-go-round, right? You get the first job, you get the second job, the second job, the third job, the first girlfriend for the first house, hold on, yada, yada, yada. But you've kind of gotten off the, the Ferris wheel, like the merry-go-round stopped, right? It's still spinning, but you're standing next to it and you're kind of like, okay, I can do whatever the fuck I want now. Um, I'm very curious to know if that is a scary feeling or if it's a rewarding feeling or if it's sort of like you have this, you're, you're in a now what stage of life. And it's, I'm curious to kind of get an understanding of what it means to you to be there. Yeah. So that's like a really great question. And I'm glad you brought it up because um, you said Ferris wheel. I like to use <clears throat> quit being a perpetual worker bee. And I also use the term hamster wheeling, like, but mm. the same concept, like you said, there's this fairy, there's this fairy go round. It just goes round and round and round. And it'll keep going around. I, I use the term hamster wheeling. There's, there's people that are going to hamster wheel their whole life. I, I can look right over. I see the wheel. I can hop back on it and start sprinting to get nowhere whenever I want again. It's always there, but mm. getting off of it is a little scary because it's what we're programmed to do growing up in Western society. Go get a job, be successful, climb the corporate ladder, do, 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 do more, 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 achieve, 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 achieve. And before you know it, you're 60 and you've wasted your entire life. Um, am I saying that, you know, every corporate person feels that way? No, I'm sure some people are very rewarded. Great. Because it's not for fucking me. So I'm glad you can keep doing that shit. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, when you get off the hamster wheel, it's like, well, now what? Like, I, yeah, I've been running on this hamster wheel forever. And now, like, when I actually take a step forward, I actually move forward. I'm not just hamster wheeling. I'm not just perpetually stuck in this thought cycle. And so, yeah, it was a little terrifying for me, especially leading up to the moment of leaving my job, because it's just like, why are you leaving a good job? Why are you not applying yourself to this job? Why are you so checked out of everything? Are you lazy? Why are you lazy? And like, then you get that negative thing and then you got to purge that. And like, you're not lazy. You're just you're thinking at a higher level and you're able to mm. plug into a more enhanced way of living. And the more enhanced way of living is building out enough reasonable financial freedom and then going and doing the things you want truly want to do and see and explore and connect with and, and, and everything of the sort. But to people that are leading up to where I'm at, where you actually hop off the hamster wheel and you're like, fuck, now what? Come from a position of power. Just start saying yes to more things. And by saying yes to more things, those things that are already wanting and beckoning to find you, they will find you. Might not be in instantly, but, you know, I like country swing dancing. You know, you talked about photography. 
I just picked up an XT2. I got a couple lenses. I'm planning on traveling the world um, in January and, and capturing, you know, life through my eyes. And whether it makes money or not, that's fine. Because again, I did enough hamster wheeling where I could hop off and navigate freely. But yeah, if you're struggling with that, come from a position of power and just it real it means you can start saying yes to more things. And by saying yes to more things, your sole purpose in life, your passions in life will will ultimately reciprocate and come to find you. Uh, I'm going to steal your hamster wheel um, analogy for a second. So I would imagine like a lot of life is kind of patterning ourselves off of like getting on the next bigger wheel, right? So sure. like you go from one wheel to the other, it just gets bigger and harder for you to spin it, right? So a lot of it is always forecasting forward, like where am I going to be in a year, two years, five years, 10 years? Like what is my life going to look like? Um, do you still do that? Do you still look at yourself and say, like, you know, you said you're traveling the world in January. Like, are you looking at like where I'm going to be in six months? Are you saying I'm going to be here in five years? Like what's that kind of look like? So I still do goal set to be fair, but I will say this when you hop off the hamster wheel, there's two things that will completely destroy your life. One side of it is looking at the past. What if, if onlys it's a constant self, uh, self flailing and regret and generally when people look on the past, they beat themselves up a lot. Now there are things like memories. Cool. But I'm just trying to drive home a point. When people look out into the future, generally a lot of anxiousness, a lot of worrying, a lot of, you know, projecting, well, what if I do this? Well, I don't, am I going to be at my job? Am I going to, you know, am I moving? If I'm moving, where am I living? Like, and these cascade of thoughts create stress and anxiety. So on one side, you're looking in the back mirror and you just have nothing but angst for what if and if onlys. And in the future, you have nothing but worries and angst for what's to come. By being more present and, and an ability to be more present is knowing you have enough money coming in where you don't have to worry about it and living day, living, trying to live more day to day and moment to moment you naturally just become happier too. You become happier, you become more content, you become more joyful, and they're not as hard to capture or grab onto because you're not focused on the, the past that's dragging you around by the neck, and you're also not getting your shoulders dislocated by having the future you know, pull you into you know, years and years out into the future, and before you know it, you're not even thinking about today or enjoying today or what you have. I have a very unfair question to ask you, but is the only path to that level of clarity and quote unquote freedom through financial freedom? In other words, like, can you be a hamster on the wheel and have that level of contentment and happiness? That might be a tough question. Yeah. And it is. And to, to be completely fair with it, I, I don't think you can. I didn't. To me, like if well, you were, because you don't come from that place, but I'm just right. genuinely curious. Like, yeah, yeah, you're... Like, I look at I look at myself in a very similar way. Obviously, I don't have a million dollars in the bank, and I made a very conscious decision last year when I lost my job that I was no longer going to chase a paycheck. Right, I was going to do the things to allow me to survive and pay my bills doing the thing that I love. Right. So I, I'm no longer going to go slave 50, 60 hours right. a week for a guy who doesn't give a fuck. But you're fuck happier for it, right? Oh my God. Yeah. yeah I sleep like exactly. a baby every night. And so yeah. that, and, and so that's, that's the thing. Like you don't need to be in my situation to, um, 
be where you're at in life. Like there are people that are realizing it at, at lower levels of money or people that don't even have, like you look at a monk in a temple, like if, if they truly are able to preach the things that they preach and every breath they take and every time they rake sand and every time they sip a cup of tea, they get a larger, more gratifying high of being present and being than someone railing a line of blow or having sex <laughs> or like, you know, all these things that we feed into our reward and processes in our brain. Like if someone with nothing can get more out of life and being present just by raking sand, then can I truly ever live to that expectation if I'm always holding on to some form of money or financial security? You could argue no. I mean, you could argue yes on that side of the equation too. But I think the important point here is there are people that have existed that have done nothing but slave at the altar of capitalism and monetary success. And just because you do that doesn't mean you lived your wealthiest life. You can live a wealthy hmm. life at 200,000. You can live a very wealthy life at 300, 400 because it, what matters is what makes you happy. And so what makes you happy? There's people that money doesn't make them happy, but it's all they've been programmed to do. And so they're just unhappy their whole life. Whereas you find someone that has equal balance that we're talking about, you know, maybe they do all they want to do is go, um, they want a, a used truck and they want to go check out all of America and, and Canada and Mexico, and they're going to drive it around everywhere and camp everywhere. They could live a much wealthier life than someone that has 50 times as much net worth as them because they've spent the time identifying what a wealthy life looks like for them. And it requires such a little amount of money relative to what we're, what we're um, forced to digest with Hollywood where, you know, Jordan Belfer, Wolf of Wall Street, you know, stealing from people, stepping on people's necks. I live on a yacht. I got naked models. Look, if that's a happy life for you, great. You're going to require a lot more money. But I don't think that's what a lot of people, if they sat in their own thoughts long enough, would really need in order to live a really, really, really wealthy life. I think that if anything, the last two years of, of COVID has like... I would imagine kind of woken a lot of people up to there's so much out of our control and at any moment the like time stops. Right. So like at any moment you can cease to exist at any moment, a person in your family could pass away. Like there's just so much that is out of our control that you can spend your life worrying about everything other than living a fulfilling life. And I think that's what the one net benefit I've achieved from the last year is that I realized there's so much more to life than logging on at 9am and going through zoom meetings. And there's, there's just a lot more. Um, and, and it's like a blessing. No. And I, I agree. There is a lot more to life on a day to day basis, but on the flip side of the coin, this is kind of an aha moment I had at the end of the day, there's really anything we do like, doesn't really matter. Like for instance, yeah. here's, here, here's an example I give people. John, name me a pharaoh right now from ancient Egypt. Uh, okay, other than him. Ramses. Okay, one more. <laughs> I don't know, that's all I got. Okay, name me, name me a Roman emperor other than Julius Caesar. Augustus. Okay, now give me three more. <laughs> okay. So, all right. And now I could play this into name me the first eight presidents of the United States. Okay. You're not going to mm -hmm. know. Them. I don't even know. Them. And that wasn't too long ago in time. And so this actualization I had was there are people in this world 
that pursue legacy. And I think legacy gets intermingled very heavily with power, money, and greed because how do you create a legacy for yourself? Well, you need power, you need money, and you need to step on next in order to do it. The reality is, <laughs> it's 2021. Pharaohs, Roman emperors, these are men that ruled the entire known world, not even remembered by us. And in 500 years, maybe a footnote, one of them is a footnote at best in history books. In 3,000 years, no one's going to fucking remember. And the reality is, there's a lot of beauty and a lot of happiness to be had in your day-to-days and moments-to-moments but time will forget all of us, regardless of how quote unquote successful you are in capitalism. So with that new frame of mindset, realizing time's going to forget everyone, regardless of how little or how much we quote unquote achieve and what we deem as success, why not just enjoy and live your life? That's a very good point. I, uh, I think that is, that is a lot of what I've decided to do in the last year and, and not, and, uh, I wouldn't have been able to articulate it in that regard. Um, when, when you look at like your high level view of where you're at today, um, like what, what do you, what scares you about the future? What are you like fearful of? Like what, what are some things that you look at that you worry about? Oh man. Um, I worry. Well, one of the things is what is existence? Like what, like why do we exist? Like it's just great, great question. You know, And again, my mind might immediately melt if I was ever given that answer. You know, I might not be able to handle it. Um, But uh, on a more scaled down version, outside of just what existence is, why are we here? um, You know, I think, you know, and some people are like, oh, you're you're a fucking commie or you're a socialist. No, I'm not that. (laughs) What I do realize is that capitalism I don't think it's how we move forward as a species and I'm really worried about it because capitalism is just broken at its core. How can you have infinite growth in a world with finite resources? You can't like, I get it. There's innovations, there's technology. We're expanding to go explore Mars and we're doing all this kind of cool shit. That's fine. It's still kicking the can down the road. The reality is we still need more resources to create. And, um, you know, I, I, I think we could solve a lot of problems today it would just require some people stepping down about how much on how much wealth they have. I think I worry about capitalism and I think it's broken and I don't think it's how we move forward as a society. I think billionaires are parasites to the world. Like they just suck up all the money and they hoard it in a cave and sit on it like a dragon. And it's just like that could be used for energy infrastructure in the middle East or energy infrastructure in India or energy infrastructure in Africa. And if that energy infrastructure is there, this kid can learn how to read a book. And if this kid learns how to read a book, they have this amazing idea that provides 10 times more value to the world than Facebook did. And they wouldn't have been able to do that if they wouldn't have had access to energy. And it all could be done today if we would just stop focusing so much on this pissing match of what capitalism is, it will, there will always be a bigger fish. And so, you know, look, you want to be worth a hundred million dollars. You want to be worth $500 million. I'm all for it. But like, once you start reaching like these exuberant amounts of wealth where you're a billionaire, we'll probably see a trillionaire within our lifetime. It's just like, who, who are we really helping and what's really hurting? And the reality is we're hurting the world. We're hurting the ecosystems and our biodiversity because of how much shit we're carving out of the earth in order to just create another Apple iPhone sale, to create a faster car sale, to create a bigger house sale. 
And it's just a pursuit of all the wrong things. And I think younger generations are starting to have that mental shift. And so I think it will be our saving grace. But if we keep the way we've been doing, you know, in the next few generations, I have a really hard time seeing how current day civilization succeeds. So you're 31? Yeah, 31. What is, uh, what's the biggest dream that you have for yourself with the rest of your life? The biggest dream? Mm-hmm. Um, it's honestly like this podcast and like being able to travel the world and like empathize with people more and understand that like, even though you have a different language and you know, I can't understand you and you can't understand me, we can still sit down and, and enjoy some of your local food and understand there's a connection there and that you and I, we aren't so different. Yeah. There's things, there's barriers to it. Um, and in the other side of it is just this podcast. Like I want people to understand there's the, there's this perversion between wealth and rich wealth is called the definition of wealth is an abundance of resources. Okay. For whatever reason, we've really tied this to money. Can wealth be love? Is that a resource? Is love a resource in your world? Yes. Is contentment a resource in your world? Absolutely. Wealth is an all-encompassing abundance of resources, seen and unseen. Riches is what is tied to coins, metal, money, paper, however you want to word it. Imaginary green things, as I call them. And so the message I want to drive home and help people realize is like, if you're that guy that just wants to go check out a pickup, the, the whole country in a pickup truck, you don't need to work your entire life. You can save up, have a nice little nest egg of $350,000 in a traditional brokerage account and, and have enough money to go put gas in your truck and do the repairs you want and go see the world you want. Now, if you want to go eat you know, pizza naked on a yacht with models in the Mediterranean Sea, yeah, you're going to require some more money for retirement. But identifying what your wealthiest life looks like, you probably would be pleasantly surprised it's a lot less money than you think. What do you think is the, I, I, I have a feeling I know the answer to this question, but what do you think is like the single most uh, inhibiting factor for people to achieve financial freedom? Oh man, there's a couple, but one of them is just, again, capitalism. What does capitalism need? Capitalism needs revenue. How do we create revenue? We need people to buy stuff. How do we get people to buy stuff? Advertise, 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 advertise. And not only advertise in a good way, but advertise in a way that makes you feel deficient or inefficient. Oh, if I buy this product, I'll have more friends. If I buy this, I'll be more popular. If I buy this, more women will be attracted to me. If I buy that, and literally we get hammered and hammered. I forgot how much, I think there was a... what was that statistic? It was like 7 trillion ads on the internet every year or something like that. I mean, it was, it was just, it was an absurd, it was an absolutely mind boggling number. And we get hit with those every day and we get hit with, you know, kids get hit with them too. And so they're growing up in this world where they're, they're conditioned to realize the only way I am considered worthy or sufficient is if I continually consume and purchase things. And so that is hands down the biggest crippling thing in Western society when it comes to capitalism because it requires the revenue. I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine and we're talking about their financial state and um, more or less the, the, the premise was there were these things that they wanted to do, right? They wanted to move, they wanted to 
quit their job. They wanted to do all these things, but they have all these bills, right? They have credit card debt. They've got car payment. They've got these things. And they're like, and it's going to take me seven years. Like they sat down they did the math. It's going to take me six, seven years to pay this all off, to do all this stuff. And I don't want to wait that long. I was like, well, unfortunately it's very simple. If you make $50,000 a year and you're paying $48,000 off and you're saving two grand a year, you need to make more money. So what do you do? Get another job. Like you, you have options to do more. And I think it's like lost on a lot of people that financial freedom really, really does boil down to hard work. Like you can work a nine to five, but if it's not getting you ahead, you need to now work a, you know, five to nine, a five to 1 AM. Like there are other things that you could do for additional money. Um, but I, I think the, the one thing that I, I was trying to harp on them is it's like, it's not that big of a deal. Like if you've understood the fact that you're seven years removed, you can now figure out what you can do over that seven year period to make it two years or one year exactly. or three years. Exactly. I've, I've told people, um, I even have an Instagram post on it. And I said, if you drive a nice car to a job you hate, you're the new symbol of self-imprisonment. No Ooh, one told. No I like one, that. No one told you you had to go buy that nice car, but you did it. Why? To keep up appearances in order to continue going to a job you hate? I would much rather sell the nice car, pocket the change, and then buy a piece of shit three thousand dollar Honda and go get to do whatever I want in life. So, like to your friend's point, like he's built out this seven year plan. How bad do you want financial freedom? If you want it bad enough, you'll get rid of that car you hate that's locking you into your self imprisonment role that you're playing right now in your own in your own game. I'm so glad you brought that up. I actually have my, my lease, my cars up in a couple months and I pay an ungodly amount for a car that I drive like 30 miles a week, <laughs> like <laughs> such a fucking dumb, small amount. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I got to get the new one. And then it dawned on me in like the last three days because I can't get like, just based on scarcity of goods, I'm incapable of getting a new car. I was like, I think I'm just going to try to see how long I can go without a car, like just Uber everywhere or, you know, bum sure. rides or whatever. And um, and there's really, there's no financial, you know, inhibitor for me for getting a new car. I mean, there is happens to be a lack of vehicles, Sure, but it's one of those things where I'm like, well, you know, I just saved myself $650 a month that I don't have to worry about throwing out the window for going seven miles a week. <laughs> yeah. And like what it would you, with that 650, what could you do? I mean, whatever you want to do, you want to go buy a new lens, take a couple months, you can get a new lens. You want to go travel to Mexico. That's probably a round trip ticket to Mexico, you know, not including lodging, but like, it just, it's amazing how <clears throat> myself included, I'm guilty of it too, how much we do things because of the presumptions we assume other people think about us rather than just yeah. thinking about ourselves. Why do people get the bigger house? Why do people get the faster car? Well, cause they want to exude that they're successful, not to themselves, to other people. Yeah. It's the, uh, it's the, so it's the single greatest detriment of social media. And there was a quote that I read somewhere, um, that said, like, if people were as happy as they showed or claimed to be on Instagram 
there wouldn't be a need for there to be like a therapy profession, right? Like if we put on this elder self of look at me, look at me, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, yep. I'm doing this. And there's no yep. one stopping to have the context of, well, like, why am I doing this? Like, right. what is the reason why I'm doing this? Or why am I pretending to do this? And it's just this really sick loop that we're all guilty of being caught on. And uh, it's, it's just one of those really, really, really scary double-edged swords. Yeah. Right. And one of the and the irony with everything you and I are going back and forth on right now, when you see someone drive past in a Ferrari, is your immediate knee jerk reaction, damn, that dude's really fucking cool. I need to make sure I hang out with him and he becomes my friend. No, I don't give two fucks who that person is or what they do. I just want the goddamn car. So all you're doing is objectifying yourself on top of a uh, on top of placing yourself in an object. Same thing with the girls. Like some girl walks past with like a nice Louis Vuitton bag. The girl doesn't go, oh, my God, she would be, like, the coolest friend I would love to hang out with. No, she's just like, damn, I wish I had that fucking purse. They don't even care about the actual person. And that's the the absolute insanity of the things we're doing and the levels we're going to in order to support and feed a completely false narrative that is made up in our head and not focusing on what we need. One of the things that I harp upon quite frequently in my podcast is – the lessons and growth that I've achieved as an individual, let's call it over the last five years, has been so fulfilling, so rewarding. Were these lessons that I've encountered over COVID over the last five years of my life from 30 to 35 things that do you believe that you could have learned at a younger age? I, me personally with where I was at, no, in an alternate universe, maybe, um, do I think there are kids that are younger out there where their headspace is in the right spot and their perception has the right framework in order to absorb the things we're saying and really utilize it? I think people like that do exist. On a bell curve, though, on a bell curve, though, a majority of them, no, absolutely not. Yeah. They, an older, they just want to drink, you know, Bud Light or whatever, pick your <laughs> shitty beer and then, you know, try and fuck a girl or whatever their sexual preferences, you know, you know, I don't care, but I'm just saying priorities are very younger, but I do think on outliers on a bell curve, there are some kids that do exist that really would absorb this information. I think at its core, it's the fundamental idea that I'm trying to get to on my podcast is understanding that with time, I think we all become the person that we want to be. And, or I hope, that with time we all become the person that we want to be. And I've been lucky that it kind of transpired in this 30 to 35 year old window, because I am generally of the belief that I've got so much life to live, right? Like it took 35 years, took a really long time to live. Like, and it, it, you know, the years they go fast and then they certainly fly by, but it also took a lot of time. So I'm going to have the same on, you know, amount of time in the back end. And I, I think at, at its core, the biggest thing that I, I'm hopeful for is that if you're someone in their early 20s who's, you know, going to law school or, you know, going to go to med school and your heart's not in it, or if you're working a nine to five that you're miserable at, there's so many other things that you can do to make yourself happy. And you don't have to wait till you reach that kind of midlife crisis point. Absolutely. I would not advocate for the way you're talking about doing it is a much healthier way to approach it than I did because, you know, I said it was a double-edged sword at the earlier end of the episode. And like, I would never advocate for people to do what I did. Like my twenties, I call them, I call it the dark decade. 
I didn't travel. I didn't go to a different country. I didn't do concerts. I didn't do trips. I didn't do spring break. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't all for the sake of building my financial house network. Now on the other side of this equation, you know, have I set myself very well in life? Yes, but I would never advocate for someone to go to the extremes I went through and forego living life. I don't get my twenties back. You know, I, I don't like that sucks. I have the rest of my life to look forward to though. And I can take it day to day, but I would never, my, my story is an outlier, you know, becoming a millionaire, you know, in, in just about a decade, uh, maybe a little over a decade coming from nothing. That's a powerful story, but there was tons of sacrifice that happened on the back end of that. There is balance in everything that we're talking about. And you, you have definitely spoken more to that balance than I ever could. Is that your biggest regret? Oh man, (laughs) I got plenty of regrets. Um, you know, now that I'm focusing more on the present, I don't regret that as much. So I think that that regret is changing. I really do. But I used to think about it, you know, uh, you know, a couple of years ago leading up to 28, 29, 30, 31. And I'm just like, fuck, like I really didn't do anything in my twenties. And like, I just internationally traveled for the first time this year to Tulum in Mexico. It was fucking amazing. Right. Awesome. Um, and so now I got the I think bug. it's funny. I, I have the opposite regret because I think I did too much in my 20s. I didn't oh, focus enough on interesting. You know, I did whatever the fuck I wanted, whenever the fuck I wanted. And like, don't get me wrong. It was fun. I had a lot of fun. I have a ton of memories and I don't necessarily regret anything I did. There, I do inherently have regret that I didn't spend any of those years looking inward. I spent every totally, waking totally. moment of, of those 20s wondering what people thought, yep. what face I was showing, what club I was going to, yep. what girl I was dating. I spent yep. so much time on external factors that I never for one second sat down and thought, gee, John, are you happy? Yeah. Never for a second. Yep. And it's crazy how like you do it for so long and then all of a sudden there's just like this inflection point you have and it's just like, wait, why am I doing all this? And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, I've been worrying about how everyone perceives me rather than just me caring about myself. And then all of a sudden everything in your life and your priorities and how you can achieve happiness, it just changes immediately overnight. Yeah, there is a, I have a saying that I say about myself. I have an immense amount of irrational confidence in, in myself. I've had it since I was in my twenties. Like, I don't care if I'm, when I was at my heaviest, I was like 240. I was a fat piece of shit. I, or if I was at my fittest, I was like 180 ripped down of mine. Didn't matter. I was like confident as fuck, but I still worried about what people thought. And it's funny that yep. the, the, there are two amount, two freedoms that like I strive for most in my life now. And I've already got one of them. And that is like freedom of self. Like I have become the greatest version of myself today. And the other one will be when I have the freedom to be able to say, fuck you to everyone and do whatever I want on a daily basis. And that will come with the financial freedom that I am working towards to build a sustainable financial house, as you like to call it through the things that I want to make money doing. Yeah. And so that makes sense. No, absolutely. It does. And that's basically kind of where I am, you know? Um, and so that kind of like, you know, this leads into like a segue again, shameful plug, but you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, DIY wealth, you know, the podcast is free. I have a Patreon account and for $10 and 56 cents a month, you know, people sign on and basically, 
I help them reverse engineer their quote unquote unplug number. Um, and then I am able to goal, so help them goal set, help them identify how much passive money they need coming in in order to hit that goal. Um, and everyone's always like $10 and 56 cents. Why $10 and 56 cents? Literally it is the cost of a large caramel frappuccino and a ham and Swiss sandwich, including tax in the state of Arizona at Starbucks. I am, I am asking you. What a shitty drink order. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, all right, calm down. I like, I like, I like a caramel frappuccino <laughs> every once in a while. Jeez. Um, no, I just. I'm judging you so hard on your Starbucks order. <laughs> um, but the, I, I just wanted to tie a strong image to that. It's like I'm asking you to forego one Starbucks breakfast once a month for us to have one-on-one conversations, exclusive content, and you get access to all of my, all of my positions. You get access to all my real estate deals, how I finance them, what the cash flows are on them, what I'm invested in my Roth IRA, what I'm invested in, in my SEP IRA, what I'm invested in my 401k, my traditional brokerage, my crypto accounts. All of that is given to you on an Excel spreadsheet. Cause like, you know, like, you know, these like guys that are like, Oh, I, I know the secret to trading. Like in like, here, you know, for $200, but yeah. then you, but then they never tell you their positions. I am yeah. literally going, giving you my entire Excel spreadsheet and my blueprint to everything I'm invested in. I let people know if I make adjustments. And then I also do one-on-one coaching once a month with them. And then we do a monthly group meeting session where we all combine our minds that are on a kind of the same mentality of, I really want to start becoming an architect of my life. And I need to spend time sitting down and figuring out how I want to design it rather than just off the cuff writing these blueprints when I haven't sat down and thought about what I want it to look like. So to you, to any listeners, 1056 a month. Um, I, I provide yeah, all I'll of link that. that in the, uh, yeah. Link that in the show notes. Link below, that in obviously. the show notes. But um, I figured that was a good time to put that in there since you were talking about those. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like to spend the uh, last bit of every podcast asking just kind of like a bunch of quick hitter questions. Sure. Some are like easy. Some are like a little heavy. But my first one is what is your favorite book? Uh, the one, uh, The Power of Letting Go. That's probably been my hands down my favorite book right now. I am right now leading, uh, reading, um, the power of now, but the power of letting go was a very good book. It has helped a lot with, uh, my childhood trauma, um, uh, as well as some military trauma and things like that, that, you know, you just, for whatever reason you, you, they, they, it just becomes this toxic waste and energy in you. So yeah, that would be my favorite one right now. Two good ones for sure. What's your favorite movie? Um, everything must go. Uh, it's on oh, Netflix. So good. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Good. You know what I'm talking about with Will Ferrell and yeah, he's out on the so lawn. Good. I was oh like God, skeptical so about it, but like, I like how quirky and different it is. I like how he acts in a different role and I like how tormented, but also normal people are able to function and like, aren't yeah. we all that? Aren't we all that? Yeah. You know? Oh, um, and it was actually so recorded out movie. here. It was recorded out here in Arcadia out in Phoenix. Oh, shit. So at some that. point in time, he was biking around in the streets of Phoenix <laughs> getting videotaped and I never fucking knew, but great. I love that movie. Yeah. It's so good. It's, it's funny because everyone looks at him as like a comedic actor and in that movie and in stranger than fiction, he plays like the opposite of that. And he is so good in those roles. And those movies are are so, so good. What a good choice. I like that. Um, what's your favorite food, man, anything seafood, like shellfish. (laughs) What'd you say? 
<laughs> caramel frappuccino in the ham sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, it was just an example. I'm not obsessed with these things. I don't even like them that much. They're a little too rich for me. Uh, oh yeah, anything, anything seafood, like especially shellfish, uh, shrimp, crab. Um, I like simplicity. So like, I'd rather just have the whole crab and like dip it in a little bit of butter than have like an over the top seasoning with risotto and all that stuff. Like, no, I just give me the actual shellfish meat. Let me bust that open and then dip it in some butter. That's what I love. Nice. Uh, do you believe in an afterlife? Oh man. Um, (laughs) so I either believe we do live in a simulation Okay. And if we're able to create self-aware conscious AI within our world, the odds of us being based reality probably basically fall off. And we're moving towards that very fast. I agree. So that's one theory. The other theory is we are all some type of shared collective conscious. And at some point in time, this consciousness got tired of playing, this uh, consciousness got tired of playing um, viewer and wanted to be or, or spectator and wanted to be player. Yeah. And so those are my two theories on existence in life right now. I like those. I'm forgetting the name of the book that I'm going to recommend you read, but it's a very interesting concept on the meaning of life. And it's the context is through aliens visiting earth. And I think you'd really like it. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send you a link to it. I can't remember it off the top of my head. I'm oh yeah, now. no, send it to me. I'm all about, um, you know, extraterrestrial or unidentified aerial phenomena and stuff like that. I, I find that stuff fascinating. Yeah, it's good. Um, what are you most proud of? Um, the amount of growth I've had in the past year and a half has just been like, John, I'm telling you, I wasn't a happy kid growing up. I wasn't a happy kid in the Marine Corps. Um, even when I got out of the Marine Corps, I mean, my mom came and visited me when I was 25. A car was following me too close on the highway. I slammed on my brakes, got out of my car and started smashing on this guy's hood. Like I was just Jeez. such an angry human being and I couldn't figure out why because I was doing all the quote unquote right things according to society, according to capitalism, according, according to socioeconomic norms and social norms. Why, why can't I, it's because I wasn't spending enough time with myself thinking about the things I want, working on the trauma I had and not, not denying myself of the fact that these things have happened to me and I need to address them. And, um, one of the biggest reasons I've been able to do that is, a lot of people focus on forgiveness. Forgiveness requires some type of IOU or resolution through, okay, I feel like I'm not vindicated anymore. There's some type of IOU involved in a forgiveness. So rather than focusing on forgiveness so much, if there's enough time that has passed to heal those wounds, focus on who this person is, who you are, have you grown? Are you both better people? And focusing on the now and the present and the day rather than this, you owe me. And I don't know how or when it's going to resonate with me, but you need to forgive me in some way, shape, or form. And it's just, I switched that. And ever since I switched that, there's no more IOUs from anyone. And I don't know anyone else anything. And it's a very freeing place to be. That's a good one. I like that. Wow. Um, What's the best piece of advice someone has ever given you? (laughs) 
Okay. Gun, this one's going to go out to Gunny Hall. But, like, he's like, he, he said, you can build a thousand bridges, but fuck one goat, and you're a goat fucker. So, basically, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the term means you can go out and do and build and, and create all these great things in life. But if you go and build and if you go fuck one goat, guess what? Everyone knows you as the goat fucker. So, just basically, go do good things in life, but do just the right don't, do the right yeah. thing and, and don't like, don't fuck up dramatically or in a way that people are going to remember you by. Yeah. Good old, good old Gunny Hall. He'd always fucking say that one. He loved that one when we had to go to formation. That is so good. Um, all right. Last question. What's one recommendation you have for everyone who's listening to you on the podcast today for something that you've consumed lately? It could be a book, it could be a podcast, it could be a movie, TV show, just something that you've watched or consumed lately that you really love that you think everyone should check out. Yeah. Um, I actually just got done watching, uh, sex education on Netflix. So good, dude. I'm not going to lie. Some of the, some of the scenes were like a little bit hard for me to digest, but like it really did. It it creates a lot of really good perspective on different people's sexuality and areas that they struggle with that. Like, again, you don't know what you don't know. And as you know, as a white, you know, heterosexual male, that's only attracted to women. I, you know, to be able to peer. And again, is it a movie or is it a series? Is it not real life? But I guarantee a lot of that has been derived from, you know, feedback from people that are uh, homosexual or people that are bisexual people that are, you know, and they have all broad range of people with sexual and some of it's over the top ridiculous, but even they bring the parents in and the parents learn and they grow and they gain perspective from their kids and the kids gain perspective and grow from their parents. And you see growth between the both of them and understanding it. I just think it was a very well put together, um, series. I think they're going to come out with season four too, but yeah, go check it out if you're looking for a good laugh, but able to learn something as well. Such a good show. I think the biggest freeing thing that you can do for yourself if you're going to consume that show is Google the ages of all the actors. They're all very much in their 20s. <laughs> and it puts you at ease. Yeah, because yeah like, that's probably a good the, thing to do. The opening scene for one of those seasons is just like a mass orgy. And you're like, oh my God, these are yeah, kids in high yeah. school. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's and then you Google, wild. it's like, oh, he's 28 and he's 24. It's like, you feel, you a feel way better. better. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, Zach, dude, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and uh, dealing with the early technical difficulties. Yeah. Still I hate. thoroughly, thoroughly, <laughs> yeah, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed our chat and I'm uh, super appreciative of your time and uh, thank you so much for coming on. 